This is the podcast by the Straits Times. It's Money FM eighty nine point three, and you're with me, Adrian Abraham. Now, this is our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, live every Monday on Money FM eighty nine point three, where I host the sports podcasters from the Straits Times. And today, I'm joined by ST Sports correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz, who's in the studio with me. David Lee, he's on the phone. And I'm going to rope in the content producer with the Straits Times, Zia Ul Raushan, as well, to join the discussion in just a little bit. Now, this was the sixth season in a row. The Singapore Premier League title went to a non-Singaporean club, and the discussion we've heard a lot from local fans is that this should serve as a wake-up call. Sazali, do you agree? I mean, uh, to agree with that. That suggestion suggests that you know local sites and the players have not been you know trying hard enough, and you know a simple you know push of a button could could result in a sudden uh, improvement. But if you talk to the local players, and and I've spoken to a lot of local players, uh, you know involved in the title race for, over the last few years, and and you know they they are really sore about it, and and they really want to turn things around. But the reality is that the fact that this uh, winless run for local teams has, has stretched six years uh, underscores the fact that the gap in quality uh, could cannot be bridged overnight and, and this is partly down to substandard youth development issues of, of you know perhaps people involved in, in the youth system in the past so you know Tampanese pushing Albrecht all the way this season is a good indicator that, that improvements have been made uh, but it's going to be tough for for you know Tampanese to sustain a title challenge uh, next year while juggling you know a first appearance in the Asian Champions League. Um, I, I'm looking at the Lion City Sailors uh, next season tw- in 2021. Uh, if they continue building on to an already impressive squad, uh, they could be one to watch. Yeah, uh, if if this was a wake up call, then you know my my biggest fear is that the local sites and the local players have just been hitting the the snooze button repeatedly over the past six seasons. Now, I don't doubt that uh, they are trying, and there have been quite a few bright sparks. Uh, but as Algan coach Clementio told me after the last round of matches, if our local players think they have worked hard, they have not worked hard enough. Otherwise, there's no way a local team wouldn't have been able to, wouldn't have been able to break this sequence. You know, on their day, the foreign teams are beatable, as we have seen over this season. But over the course of a season, they have been the most consistent. If we're talking about Elbrecht's, this is a team that have introduced their own obstacles. You know, from a senior full Japanese team, they have downgraded, if you will, to a team where they have eight or nine under-23 players uh, who are Japanese. There's nine or t- eight or nine under-21 Japanese players as well, and a handful of mostly unheralded Singaporean players. And they still won the league. Now, SARS talk about our youth development issues of the past, but have the local teams done enough in the other areas to catch up on things like fitness and discipline? You know, during the coronavirus suspension, Elbrecht's run three times a week. They, they, they ramped up from 5km runs to 7km runs. I'm not sure if the other clubs do the same, but I know for sure uh, Elbrecht's have been the most disciplined. You know, uh, you cannot afford anyone to be injured or suspended during this hectic schedule. And Elbrecht's did not incur even a single red card. You know, and is it any wonder they, they've won uh, the Fair Play Award uh, for the fewest bookings in the last five seasons, I, I, I think it's no coincidence. So yes, it's a wake-up call and it is up to the local teams and players to decide if they want to go all out and learn all the good qualities that face them week in, week out, season after season. Now there's also a section of fans who have called for the SPL to feature only local club sides. Their argument mainly is that even with foreign teams in the league, 
the national team has not benefited. The last one, you know, they lost one the Suzuki Cup in about 2012. Uh, do you agree with this view? Are Alburex and, uh, you know, uh, the side from Brunei, DPMM, good for the league? David, let's go to you first. Uh, it all depends on the perspective in which you choose to discuss uh, these foreign participation. It's not as if we have a truckload of financially stable local clubs to come in and take their place. Uh, look at what happened to Warriors FC. Uh, if you remove the foreign teams, is it still much of a league with just six senior teams and one developmental team participating? Uh, I don't think so. So until we get our own local clubs in order, have a critical mass, we have not much of a choice but to depend on foreign competition. The fortunate thing is they have provided competition and different styles of football. I don't think it's fair to pin the lack of international success on, on the foreign teams. Uh, uh, for, Dave mentioned about seeing things in, in different perspectives. Uh, he, he looked at it in a holistic way for, for the league, what... what, what uh, impact they bring and, and, you know, with weakened local teams uh, not prepared to, to come in. For me, I, I look at it, you know, uh, as it is, you know, to me, yes, to Albrex, you know, they, they benefit the league, uh, particularly now they've taken local players on for the last couple of seasons. Um, and, you know, a clear no to DPMM just because of the nature of their participation, which is, again, not their fault in some ways, you know, they are based overseas, but they are guests in every sense of the word, you know, they you know, check into Singapore, fly into Singapore a day before the game, uh, before the coronavirus pandemic, of course. They fly, fly off uh, as soon as possible. They leave no real tangible impact on, on the local game other than, you know, the quality which they bring to the league, which also is also debatable because of all the uh, demands their management have made uh, previously over the makeup of their squad. They wanted more foreigners than the other teams. They, they, they didn't want um, age caps on their local players. So, it's an uneven playing field and, and you know, all these uh, uh, complaints, uh, I think, are warranted. Lah. Now, this is an action-packed segment here uh, where we are reviewing the Singapore Premier League. So, I think we have one more point where we can touch on interesting discussion. As long as foreign teams are sweeping up most of the silverware, it's one that will go on for a while yet. With the season now wrapped up, what would you say were your highlights of the season? Sazali, we'll start with you. Yeah, for me, uh, you just look at the nominees, the, the three goal of the season contenders were as good as any previous seasons. And, and this is amazing given we've had so few games. I, I really, I cannot... You know, pick Kaironizam uh, or, or the Albirex goal or... Uh, Louis Jr. Uh, Louis, Jr. Louis Jr. Yeah, Louis Jr. against uh, Tampines again. You know, so it, fantastic strikes, all of them. And uh, and the other thing that for me is a highlight is that, you know, while I don't completely agree with the under-23 rule, it has seen the emergence of, of some very good young players as seen by the more than decent batch of uh, nominees for, for the Young Player of the Year. Uh, so, yeah, t- definitely positive. And also on that yeah. point, I've seen uh, this discussion being dominated by Alberex and Brunei and what they bring to the league. But I think Tampines deserve major credit. Gavin Lee deserves major credit. They only lost one game all season. Of course, they dropped points in a couple of draws. But I think he's taken this under-23 rule and worked it to his benefit. A lot of under-23 players who've come into the team have done their part. Sure enough, they go, go off at halftime at times. But they've given a good account of themselves. And I think Gavin Lee deserves... Major credit for what he's doing with a local team. Of course, Lion City Sailors are best equipped because of the money they bring. But just on a pound for pound, I think Gavin Lee deserves major credit for how much coaching he's done with that team and with the resources he has. Yeah, I think credit must be given to to the FAS and the various clubs for ensuring the safe and successful resumption of of the league. From an organisation standpoint, I think they did very well. 
Um, some of the matches were also great to watch. You know, the first game of the restart was a stunner as Augang beat Tampines 2-1 in a, in an intriguing clash of pragmatism and idealism. And both sides didn't look like they were rusty. Of course, after that, fatigue set in, which was normal when you have to play 10 to 12 games in 45 days. Um, you know, Roshan talked about uh, Tampines, Lion City Sailors. I think um, I will show give some credit to, to Geylang, you know, talk about pound for pound. Uh, Geylang had very tight resources and, and still managed to qualify for AFC Cup, so kudos to them as well. They need to work on their discipline though, Geylang International. <laughs> <laughs> now, as much as I want to talk about a little bit more local sport, we have to reach the half point of the, of the podcast where we focus on... You know, sporting events outside Singapore, Sazali. We've now come to a very interesting point where fans are now allowed back in the stadium. Just briefly, can you just sum up what it was like to have some fans back in the stadium here? Yeah, I, th- I think it was it was uh, it was great. Uh, but you know, I, I think we sport in, in in Singapore is still a long way from being back to normal. I think. Uh, We've had a few events last week and and the week before and and in terms of participation that's great but I think uh, for now the rise of blended events uh, that incorporate both virtual and physical elements they they seem to be um, in vogue and and probably the way forward for for the next year so uh, yeah with with the government taking a very cautious prudent approach to opening up all sectors I think I think this is uh, going to feature a big way next year now if you like the Straits Times Game of Two Halves podcast you can listen live on Money FM eighty nine point three every Monday or you. Can subscribe to hashtag Game of Two Halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Like us and give us a rating. Now, gentlemen, it was an action-packed weekend of football in the English Premier League, also in Germany, Spain. We saw Formula One as well, which we will touch on right at the end of this segment. The North London Derby, Arsenal, Tottenham, Son Heung-min, Harry Kane, you know, blessing our fantasy teams with those much-needed points. But also, hey man, Harry Kane was my captain. I'm Harry happy Kane. days. But it's okay. I captained Kevin De Bruyne, so I reckon, you know, not too bad at all. But, you know, Arsenal outplayed 15th in the league. Where does Mikel Arteta go from here? Raushan. Here's the thing. There was a couple of months ago, Mikel Arteta got a result against Man United and suddenly he was the saviour that the North London club needed. But... I don't want to take anything... I don't want this discussion to be dominated by what Arteta is doing wrong. I want to talk about what Mourinho is doing right. I watched the post-match interview and he's smiling yeah, again. Yeah. He, he, he says 50% of the job is for me to set out the tactics, but 50% is the desire and the will of the players. And I think that is where Arteta is not getting his message through. Of course, he's Pep Guardiola's pupil. He's trying to implement some playing football, but it's that execution that's what is the final hurdle for Arsenal. And Tottenham are doing it bloody well. Yeah, to, to me, I, the, the takeaway from seeing that video is Mourinho is a great actor. You know, he he acts like he's carefree, he's enjoying the moment. You know, Kesera uh, Sera, but I guarantee you, off camera, he's plotting how to destroy his title yes. uh, rivals. You know, there's no way he's he's you know he's top of the table. He's gonna be so relaxed about things. You know, I'm I'm sure he'll he'll double down and and he'll he'll be even harder on on his players and his team. I don't think I've seen Mourinho this happy since his first stint at Chelsea. Chelsea he's got a group yeah. of players here that are willing to run through a wall for him. Hoiberg in midfield is exactly what every Mourinho team needs and he's got two star-studded strikers up front. Harry Kane, Son Heung-min, they're going to get the goals no matter what. And the win against Arsenal was typical Mourinho. Got the job done in the first half. What was more impressive is they shut up shop in the second half. And you know, I mentioned earlier that fans are now back in the stadium. 2,000 fans. Let's listen to what a few of the managers said. We'll start with Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. 
Yeah. It's brilliant. Of course, we want more of them in. The fans deserve it. Players deserve to have fans in the in the stadium. Where if we can uh, safely just uh, guide more and more people in, football will be back to uh, the great game again because it is the best game. With but the, the fans are a big big part of it. Now, David, of course, United came back from um, a goal down to beat West Ham United 3-1. An absolute screamer from Paul Labiel Pogba just shows what he's capable of if he puts his mind to it. What did you make of United's comeback now? They're making it, you know, quite a habit out of this. Yeah, you might as well say they, they came back from the dead, you know. They, they were third for, for a couple of hours, uh, dizzying heights, I would say. Um, you might as well, every week, every game, just give them a one-goal deficit and then tell them that their manager is at risk of losing his job and the players will get the job done. I don't know, man. You talk about players playing uh, for for uh, Mourinho and, and it looks like they're, they're doing so for Solskjaer as well. So, I don't know. I think it's still early days. I don't want to get ahead of myself and, and, and be disappointed again. But, um, look, we haven't played the big teams. The only big team that we probably played was Spurs and, and lost 6-1. So, uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves yet. For Roshan and, and Dave, again, I, I like to p- try to pick the brains of United fans. Other than that goal, which, you know, we all know Paul Pogba can, can score, you know, worldies. Other than that, did he play well? Because for me, you know, his lackadaisical nature, I didn't watch the game. So like I said, I, I only saw the goal, which, I, you know, I'm no surprise to me. But was he good in the game? In all honesty, nah. I was I was sorry, David. In all honesty, I was surprised when at halftime Van Der Beek came off rather than Pogba. But he proved me <laughs> wrong. <bad>. Yeah, and <laughs> since then, I've read he since he had COVID, he's struggling with keeping up playing ninety minutes. So it's taken him some time to acclimatize with Paul Pogba. He needs four, five consistent games before I sit here and tell you he's the player we signed. We signed for a big, 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 big amount. I think till then he is. The jury's still out there, Dave. Right, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced as well. You know, I, I look at him. I'm, I look at him playing, playing passes and not following it through. Um, and he's just standing there admiring his own own passes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's that, that's the thing that frustrates me the most as, as a United player, you know, uh, United fan, you know. United player, wow. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think it's good that Bruno's come in and he's picked up the mantle because prior to Bruno coming in, we were relying so heavily on Pogba. Right now, Bruno came on at halftime, had the biggest impact, and as long as Bruno's doing the job, I guess Pogba can be a passenger in that team. Okay, we have four minutes. We're going to quickly just recap the rest of the games. Jurgen Klopp, very happy. Players and fans, you know, at Anfield, 4-0 win over Wolves. Let's listen to what he had to say at the end of the game. The game, the atmosphere, it was so nice. We came in and we had directly goosebumps. Eh? So you thought, oh my God. I had no idea. It's too long ago that I had 2,000 people in the stadium, to be honest. So you don't know it anymore. And um, not only the cop, but over here and the, on the main stand, um, I, they, they, were, they started, you never walk alone. And so like, it was really nice. You know, the champions having their fans back in their own stadium and convincing performance by the Reds, who are now, you know, top of the table with Tottenham, except on goal difference. And the other, you know, biggest team of the weekend were Chelsea, you know, coming back from a goal down. Frank Lampard, he did say, you know, Leeds are quite a strong team. Before I get your thoughts, guys, let's just listen to what Lamps had to say. I was nervous of Leeds because they were a good team and they will be a threat to the end if you don't get that cushion when you're playing well. We had a lot of clear-cut chances, which makes you worry. Another day we could probably score five or six or, or whatever um, and finish the game. But, but we are still, uh, and everyone may get excited at some point, we are still developing. We have to say that we will get better, hopefully, and being clinical will be one of those. Cesali, Chelsea, Liverpool, 
Tottenham. For you, is it these three who are going to challenge for the title? Don't discount City. I, I, I definitely, I do, I do, I, I think City, City will be right up there. Again, you know, this may be an unpopular opinion. I'm still not 100% convinced by Spurs. Mm. You know, I, I, I do feel like they will choke, though. I mean, yeah, we, we, you know we, what I mean. We often see this with Spurs, but I don't know. This is a this, this is a like Jose the, Spurs. This though. is a Jose mm. Spurs it, who it is, look different. Is. But you know, again, would you? Uh, would you sort of be able to 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 convince yourself that Eric Dyer is a you know Premier League winning level centre back? Mo- was, you know West I mean? Morgan, was West Morgan a Premier League winning <laughs> centre back? Or Robert exactly. Hood, yeah, Robert Good Hood, point. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, stranger things have happened, but you know, based on on the run of games again, and it's more of Arsenal being poor than than you know. I I feel like, you know. So you know, they haven't been at the races for a while. So you know, I I, I still um, have my uh, judgment. I, I, I hear your reservations. Ali, but let's go back to Leicester. In that title-winning side, they had Mares and Vardy leading the charge. Yeah. Similarly, I think Tottenham are going to have Son and Kane leading the charge. Whether they last the duration with Europa League as well is to be seen, but I think a Mourinho team is not going to go out without a fight. Right, I, I think uh, it's, that's a bit unfair on Eric Dyer. And, and <laughs> yes, he's been good. He's been good. Yes, yes. He's been you, 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 you wouldn't say on his own Henderson would be a Premier League winning player as well. And, and there's Captain, so many you. of those, like, like, like you mentioned, West Morgan and all that. Uh, but what, what uh, Mourinho can do in a team is, you know, he, he gets everybody pulling in the same way he, he puts he puts uh, a siege mentality on his players. And, yep. and you know, that, that does wonders. Uh, and look at their defence. Just nine goals considered in 11 games. I think uh, that you got all the hallmarks of a title-winning Mourinho team there. And I also think Mourinho is the type of guy who's not going to let Frank Lampard get the better of him. He doesn't want his former people to do do him better. So he's going to drill this into the Tottenham team. And this might just be the year. And finally, we have to talk about the Formula 1 race, of course. I feel George Russell was robbed. Raushad, I do you want to talk about this. Sergio Perez, 190 races. He's finally got his first win. I don't know how Sergio Perez doesn't have a drive for next year. That's beyond me, but that's how Formula 1 politics work, apparently. Going back to George Russell, though, what an account of himself he gave. He came in filling the champion's shoes, and I think he did an outstanding job despite the circumstances. And not to be too poetic, but sometimes you learn more from heartbreak than happy days. So I I, I fully think George Russell is capable of driving for the Mercedes-AMG Petronas team. If I were Valtteri Bottas, I'd be very worried about my place in 2022. And on that note, I do hope... Uh, not that I don't want Lewis Hamilton to recover from COVID, but I hope he sits out of Abu Dhabi just so George Russell gets another chance to win a race. Yeah, and he's only 22. And if you see, you know, his uh, post-race reaction when he's still in the car, you could see how disappointed and angry he is, but he's trying to stay calm and composed. And you can see how apologetic, you know, his team are behind him. But yeah, as you mentioned... He has a great future ahead of him. Of course, Hamilton, I think, still has a few years left in him. So, if anything, he'll probably be number two. It does look like him. a natural succession might take place in that sense where George Russell might be the next Brit to come into the Mercedes team. But again, George Russell, fantastic head on his shoulders. I think he'll come back stronger from this. Well, there goes the full-time whistle on our hashtag Game of Two Halves podcast. You can catch us on demand on the audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Shazali, David, and Raushan, thank you so much for joining me on this installment. And uh, we'll see you all soon. See you soon. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg.
You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.